Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. We are not live. We are coming to you from Plastar Productions in New York City. Today is Good Morning America. Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. At this hour, it takes a dedicated amount of time and energy to build good, strong, lasting business relationships today. They are such an integral and necessary part of success, but people don't seem to want to put in the work. Lasting business relationships just don't happen and develop without the dedicated, consistent work. I'm going to talk to a world-class connector, a social influencer, and founder of a club wherein he facilitates groundbreaking experiences that breaks down barriers, ignites lasting connections, and frequently changes lives. He is what I call a renaissance man. Chris Shambra is here with us this morning, and we're going to talk to him, well, almost live. He's live right here in front of me. Also at this hour, the Q1 uh, 2019 market report shows the New York City home sales market is struggling as rents now reach high and new levels. As the New York City sales market continued to weaken in the first quarter of 2019, asking rents across the city rose to record highs. What is going on? We're going to break that down as well. I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, the nation's priciest properties are in far less demand this year. This is around the nation, and that is taking a toll on their values. Sales of homes listed at $2 million and above fell 16% in the first quarter, the sharpest annual decline since 2010, and this according to Redfin, a real estate brokerage firm. This as... The supply of those homes rose 14%, marking four straight quarters of annual increases in inventory. The average price of a luxury home, which Redfin defines as the top 5% in each of the 1,000 cities it tracks, fell 1.6% to $1.55 million. Non-luxury uh, homes saw their average prices rise 2.7% annually to $300,000. Can you imagine that? $300,000 prices around the nation. Demand for high-end homes is waning in large part due to the changes in the tax law. The amount of state and local taxes, or SALT as it's known, that homeowners can deduct was capped at $10,000, and mortgage interest rate deduction was reduced from $1 million to $750,000 in mortgage debt. It's not all fun and games in New York City's playground in the Hamptons, where first quarter sales tumbled to their lowest levels in seven years. According to Douglas Elliman's first quarter 2019 market report for Long Island, the Hamptons, and the North Fork, sales and prices of luxury properties in the East End are taking a beating, while the other parts of the island are faring better. Prices on the North Fork have stabilized and are continuing to rise out on Long Island. The slump in the Hamptons mirrors what is going on in the Manhattan sales market, which saw the number of first quarter sales hit the lowest uh, level in a decade. The number of sales in the Hamptons declined annually for the fifth straight quarter, falling 19.3%. However, the share of sales below $1 million was um, the second highest in five years, the report says, as the market has shifted to the uh, favor, the lower end. The median sale price fell 5.5% to $850,000. In fact, the first quarter saw the lowest number of sales at or above $10 million in six years. A lot of people have been very busy, uh, very concerned, rather, with the new tax reform implications that affect secondary homes anywhere, including the Hamptons. It seems to me, though, it's a perfect time to buy a home in the Hamptons this year. 
uh, just like it is in New York City. Picture this. It's May 1st. This was a great story, by the way. uh, It's May 1st in New York City. At the crack of dawn, the insanity begins. A whole drove of Gothamites struggling amid pots and pans and pictures and rolls of carpet are about to hit the streets. This according to the New York Times. As the day unfolds, every single renter in New York who's not renewing his or her lease is making the move to another apartment or house. Uh, This one day of the year was moving day for thousands of New York City residents in the 18th and 19th century. And by the beginning of the 20th century, about a million locals were switching apartments in just 24 hours. Talk about chaos. And remember, back in the 18th and 19th century, there were no sales. Everything was rental. The custom began to fade in the early 1900s as new rent laws gave tenants increased protection and more Manhattanites decamped. For new, uh, for new neighborhoods in, uh, in the borough and in the outer boroughs, they were now allowed to pick their own move date, and all was very happy. Can you imagine everybody in this town moving on September 1st if you decided not to renew your lease? I mean, that would be a little crazy. Talk about stress on the system. <laughs> stress on the system and stress on, on the internal system. Can you imagine getting a mover to work with you no. on September 1st? All right, the Upper East Side's reputation as, ho- as the home uh, neighborhood for blue bloods, aristocrats, and socialized, uh, socialites is sorely diminished without the long-term presence of Lee Radziwell. The younger sister of Jacqueline Bovier, Kennedy Onassis, lived in her Lenox Hill co-op apartment for more than 30 years, but with her passing last uh, February, it was only a matter of time before New York City real estate market, uh, the real estate uh, marked the end of her reign. Radziwell's full floor Apartment in the 1928 co-op at 160 East 72nd Street on the Upper East Side has been listed for sale. The price is $5.7 million, with the listing being held by Brown Harris Stevens. The apartment is accessible by a private elevator and split between north and south exposures. There are three bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms, a 31-foot living room that overlooks 72nd Street, staff room, and formal dining room. The master suite has a wood-burning fireplace. According to the Wall Street Journal, which first reported the listing, Radswell owned this 15th-floor apartment for more than 30 years. Jackie Onassis, her sister, in post-Camelot days after the 1963 assassination of President Jack Kennedy and before and after her 1968 marriage to shipping tycoon, Aristotle Onassis lived at 1045th Avenue, an exclusive co-op overlooking Central Park, that building uh, designed by Rosaria Candela. Likely, Jackie's apartment at 1045th was on the 15th floor. It was later owned by billionaire David Koch of Koch Industries fame, who set sale, a sales record for the building when he sold the apartment for $30 million. Jackie's kids, after her death, sold it for $9 million, only $9 million, which then was a lot of money and really pushing the envelope for Fifth Avenue full-floor apartment. So many years later, uh, David Koch, after he renovated the entire apartment, sold it for $30 million. An interesting story, though, with Lee Radswell's apartment. When I was younger and out there shopping with my broker before I was an agent and looking for apartments to buy, I loved pre-war buildings, as I still do, and everybody here knows that. I was living on the Upper East Side at the time, and every time we would pass 160 East 72nd Street, I'd tell my broker, Fran, I want to live in that building. And probably after the third or fourth time, because I was shopping for apartments every year over seven years, she'd look at me and start screaming, not even with a high voice, screaming, <laughs> I told you more than once you can't live in that building. And so this is what we say you know, on the show all the time about making sure your expectations of your clients are correct. And I keep saying, but why can't I live in that building? I want to live in that building. I can afford that apartment. It's not that much money. Well... Who knew about Social Register? Who knew that Lee Radziwill lived there? Who knew that God only knows who else lived in that building and still is in that building? I wanted to live in that building. She was right. 
I wasn't living in that building. One day, Vince. Maybe one day. I don't think so, sweetie. I don't think so. Tribeca first. He's moved on. Correct. I heard Fran lives there. Well, you know. Anyway, excuse me. I have a very bad cold today, so you've got to please excuse me. Um, uh, Anyway, moving on. Chris Shembra, as I said, is here with us today. The former president and COO of McDonald's said, and I took this right off of your your literature, (laughs) Chris is a fiercely committed person to what he believes in, the power of the human spirit. He is a person who sees good in others, and his positive energy is contagious. Well, I know that. And when he walked in this morning, you can just feel it, right? I mean... I know you, but not that well, but I I know that this is true. The 747, you're going to correct me, club, uh, exists to help companies give the gift of community and belonging to their VIP clients and partners. 747 uses dinners, events, and research to help reframe the way companies emotionally engage with their clients. We're going to talk a lot today about emotion. Um, engage with their clients Uh-oh. in any business. Well, I told you it was going to be fun, right? I know. Driving increases in uh, upsell, cross-sell revenue, and referrals. The signature dinners are filled with uh, delegated tasks and shared activities and are a uh, time-saving, proactive, proven system of building deep relationships at scale in a family-style environment. He serves pasta and wine and dessert. I mean, what better than family style is that, right? There have been 200-plus dinners, and 300,000 relationships have been sparked. Aside from 747, Chris is a partner at O'Henry Productions, which both invest and produce commercial theater. He's led social campaigns with over 1 million participants, and the projects Chris has been involved in have been awarded 14 Tony Awards and 7 Emmys and a Grammy. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. You are our renaissance man. My wow. goodness. All right. So, you know, there's so much to talk about, um, and I want to get started. You know, we all are in the relationship business. I think we all understand that in real estate, this is what it's about. In technology firms, in, in you know, industrial firms, wherever you are, and you're dealing with people. But in real estate, it really is so relationship-driven, whether you're first trying to meet somebody, whether you're trying to maintain that relationship as you go through a, a transaction, and then certainly after the transaction, if you're a good enough broker and agent, you need to continue to monitor and maintain that relationship. I want to talk to you a lot this morning about a lot of things, but one of the things that that you know stepped out at me was, you know, and I called you on our show card a chief question asker, and I know that of you, and I think that's incredible. I think I can be the same with a little coaching because I'm an, a, a curious, inquisitive person. But you say, become a chief question asker. Connect with anybody with one simple question. So before we go to break, and we've got a few minutes, what is that one question? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've gotten that question Many, many times. What is that one question? I love, by the way, the chief question and, uh, asker. I think it's brilliant. But what is that one question? So the history of this question, the question of which uh, we've asked over 10,000 people in the last three years, the question that we ask around every single dinner across hundreds of dinners. When we ask this question, if less than three people cry, we consider it a failed night. We have these six. <laughs> this question has led us into the rooms with the most successful people in the world. And that question is, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? And why is that a great question? Because it makes you think. It it makes you think about the people that are meaningful for you and who have impacted your life in any kind of significant way. Who are you thinking about right now? It's not obvious, but it's my mom. Mm. 
She's still with us. Here we go. Yeah, Tracy's yeah. getting teary eyed. Uh, <laughs> Mission accomplished. You see what an effect he has on people? Is it a good relationship with your mom? It or? is a great relationship, yes. Tell me about it. She's one of my best friends. She lives in Florida. I'm here in New York. We talk or text almost every day, although we only see each other maybe two or three times a year. What's the greatest thing you've learned from her? To oh, water down. To that's not it. Uh, to <laughs> God and give him credit for the success of my life and to be kind to people. Cheers to that. What's her name? Diane. Diane. Cheers to you. Hi, Diane. Diane. You, Morning, Diane. Hi. So, I didn't know that was going to go that way. Thank you. <laughs> but the interesting thing about that question, we call it third-party vulnerability. And here we are meeting for the first time. And if you're in a relationships-driven business and you go up to someone that you've literally just met or you've known your entire life and you ask them, what's your biggest fear? What's your greatest regret? What's your biggest failure? People are going to clam up inside. But when you ask this question that revolves around them telling the story of others and what they've learned from that person, they'll instantly open up. Guaranteed. You let down your guard when you're talking about someone else. Right? Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Sure. I'm feeling you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm, I'm not actually teary, although I wish I were. <laughs> <laughs> So the other thing is, you know, you outlined for 2019 your projects, okay? And the 747, you're doing a gratitude study. So, again, we're going to talk about emotion. We're also going to talk about gratitude. And until I started, you know, until we chatted the other day on the phone and then I was reading some of your materials, not that I didn't understand gratitude and emotion, but I really didn't understand how necessarily it comes together when, <coughs> excuse me, when uh, you're dealing with relationships. And when I hung up the phone from him, it was kind of like a revelation. And I sat there for at least an hour. This is not an exaggeration. And I really, you know, kind of put myself through my own paces and questions and said, so when I'm in a relationship with someone, business relationship or whatever, or trying to, to maintain a relationship, do I think of those two words? And how important are those two words? Do they make any 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 point in 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 my in my thinking? And I was kind of you know surprised. So the gratitude study is over 365 days. 808 people you are going to do this study with, and you've already done 150 interviews. Tell us about that. That's remarkable, by the way. Thank you, thank you. <coughs> you know, essentially, this question uh, that thank you for for answering it on air. Uh, this question we've asked at hundreds of dinners to 10,000 people over the last couple of years. And we took a step back at the beginning of the year this year and said, why have we not written down a single answer? I mean, we've asked this question to literally a lot of the world's most successful people and never actually thought to like share their wisdom and stories with others. And so we took a step back and said, why don't we create an entire research study, an entire interview series, around just this question, right? So many people go out and they want to write a book about the 100 best questions you can ask, or the 100 best this or that. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just stick to one question and get really, really, really well known for that unique brand opportunity, that question. And so we decided to go off and interview 808 of the world's best founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, to uncover this wisdom, these stories, how the unsung heroes in their life affect the companies they've built. Why 808 is that when we first got started with our pasta sauce, so... You brought me pasta sauce the last time yeah, you were here. So I, I, I was gonna bring <laughs> Where's the pasta sauce is what Vince is asking. I was going to bring it today, <laughs> but I didn't know how many sauce. people were going to be here. But when we, you know, I we found pasta sauce at a very dark chapter 
in, <laughs> we found pasta sauce <laughs> at a very dark chapter in our lives. Uh, we were having a good time in the theater. We'd just come back from Italy after producing a Broadway play over there, and when we got back to New York, realized none of it meant shit. Lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure, started fiddling with food in our kitchen and found that pasta sauce and decided to probably feed it to people to see if it's even good or not and started hosting dinners. And in that first year, we decided we had one goal. Host a dinner every week, once a week for free in our home, and we did it. In those 52 weeks, we had 54 dinners feeding 808 people for free in our home. And so this year was the most heartfelt, most fulfilling year of our life. And so this year coming up, we're going to interview 808 founders in honor of that year spending hosting people for free in our home and that joy and that fulfillment that came out of it. Um, and so this, this research study, this interview series, is a wonderful opportunity to, to connect to literally the, the world's most successful entrepreneurs and be able to um, ask them this question. And in asking them this question, we're learning about the values that they've learned from these people. We're learning how these values have impacted their business. And we're learning about the good their business does in this world. And so we're able to complete that kind of, that wonderful narrative arc within a 24-minute interview um, that's going out and impacting millions of dollars in revenue in each one of these companies. We have a lot more to talk to Chris about, and the panel is here. We have to leave it there for the moment. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Network. We're going to break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. We're here with Chris Shembra, the chief question asker, as I'm calling him this morning. <laughs> and we're going to explain in more detail why that is. Anna Shagalov from Halstead. Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan from Freely and LeaseBreak.com, 
Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Sean McPeak from Halstead, Niall Lungern from Compass, and our one and only Matthew Cohen. And we have a little bit of news from Matthew Cohen today. He is now part of the Halstead real estate team. Wow. Congrats. So hey, congratulations I'll, to Matthew. I'll be dancing Cohen. on the such table great at videos. the end of the show. Oh, yeah, great videos. Thanks. Great choice and welcome aboard, yes. my friend. And it's been long time, in baby. coming. Anyway, back to Chris. So, you know, there's so much to talk to you about, and I really want to really underscore the words, you know, gratitude and, and emotion. You, you touched on a little bit before with Tracy. If you can give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit to, who would that be? So let's quickly go around the room, and you ask or elicit, you know, some – Feedback from from the folks here, and I'm assuming that because we're all you know vastly different as as you know close as we all are, we we're all different personalities. Let's find out what they have to say. Oh boy. <coughs> well, let me rephrase the question. <laughs> so, Vince, <laughs> you've had a great career. Tried buying homes in fancy people's apartment buildings and got great hair. As you look back on everything you've done in this wonderful career and this podcast you've started and the great work you've brought into this world, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to or just have never thought to give any credit or thanks to, whether it's someone you've never met before or someone you've known your entire life, who would that be? I'm My dad. And I think because I didn't, <clears throat> excuse me in my voice, because I think, you know, when you're younger and you're growing up and you really, you know, are becoming of age and you're going to school and you're doing a whole bunch of things, older people and, you know, dad is older and mom is older and you don't really think that they know what they're talking about. Oh, I, you know, you always say that or I can't be bothered listening to that because I think I know better and I think I know so much but my dad you know being an old timer he was born in this country but he was very old school and very you know his parents were born in 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 Italy uh and he had certain values that he would instill in us and you know again as a kid you just didn't want to deal with those and you didn't really want to you wanted to be a kid and you wanted to go out and do your thing so I would listen to him but it wasn't for years and years uh, later that I really started thinking about after he passed, unfortunately, that I started thinking that we had a great relationship throughout all the years. But um, after he passed, I realized, you know what? I should have listened to him a lot more. He had so much wisdom and he had so much understanding of what it is to be a young kid and to grow up and to try and find your way. He was so encouraging. You must go to school. And in the beginning, I mean, I always was a kid who wanted to go to college, but I, I like, why are you pushing this? I mean, it's like, I'm going to school, but he would instill this in my brain all the time. Mom, pretty similar as well, but, but dad always, you know, he, he knew what he wanted for the four of us. And I think probably if, if you ask my siblings, they would say the same thing. He was one of these, I don't know how you describe it, but sort of like, quiet influencers in our life, but a real steady influencer mm-hmm. and, and someone who really, um, I, I mean, I think made a huge difference in my life. And it's, un, it's interesting, he's going to be gone 24 years this year, and I've never missed him more than, than now. It's, it's incredible. If he was and old- because of all maybe the successes and, and the stories that he would be very proud of, I think. What would he be most proud of? And just what I've become you know, uh, successful. 
And, you know, my dad got sick when he was very young <clears throat> and had to stop working. And so, you know, he always wanted, and I think for that reason, he always wanted us to achieve a lot more than he could because he was cut back, you know, at such a young age. In his 40s, he was almost retired because he, he had a serious heart, heart attack and he couldn't do any more really physical work or, or any kind of work. And so he spent the rest of his 20-something years just kind of, you know, getting better, so to speak. But, you know, notwithstanding, I mean, he, he, he and I think because of that, you know, he gave us these goals to achieve and not in a harsh way, but sort of in a subliminal way. And we just all sort of picked up on that. And, you know, like I said, I think he would be very, very proud of not only me, but my siblings as well. I'm very fortunate. I have very successful siblings. And I think, you know, he'd be proud of what we've become. And I think he would be out of his shoes over this particular program. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was a big news junkie as I am. And I think if he saw what this has become, he would would be very proud. If he was... I don't think he cared one way or the other about real estate, but <laughs> he was very proud when I was a big IBMer and selling IBM mainframes and stuff. He's like, you go and you get your pension and you get your, your retirement and all that stuff. Real estate, I don't think it would float his boat, but he would definitely be uh, all over this. If he was in this room, right, in this multicolored room, in the same room that Kendrick Lamar and Drake have put out multi-platinum you got albums, it. what would you say to him? I would say thank you. To start, because again, without that influence, I don't know where I'd be. You know, uh, it's hard growing up as a kid, and I and I look at all of these parents, you know, around the room, and 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 lots of other friends of mine. It's kind of like you know, how do you guide these kids today, especially today? Because I often think what he would think about all of these devices and all of this, you know, stimulation, because this is so foreign from his world. It was foreign, you know, from my world as a kid growing up. So I'd say thank you uh, for for the the core uh, and the basics. You know, we, we, I think in life you always come back to basics. But I thank him for the basics that he gave me, and my mom as well, who is still with us, gave us the basics and the foundation to become who we are, and never really questioned, you know, what we wanted to do. Um, I'm a gay guy. You know, they had no issues with that. Um, it was more about so who are you and what do you want to be, and just get out there and do it. You know, and again, we're talking about people from a generation, you know, that's way back there. So, again, I consider myself very fortunate, um, but I'd say thank you. What's his name? Vincent. I'm a junior. Cheers to Vincenzo. Vincenzo. If you're listening to this, raise a glass and toast. He is, actually. Vincenzo. He definitely We're raising our water glasses right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Hey, Cheers. So, thank you, obviously Vince. planted good seeds in you, so even if you didn't listen to him when you were younger, fruit's <laughs> flourishing now. It, thank you so much. But it's so funny because I think it get Chris's point. You know, it, it's like, you know, when we, we, we don't want to hear things. And so it's not until we get older that we realize, and through emotion, and through, you know, rejection sometimes, whatever it is, that we decide, you know, who we need to be or how we want to achieve that. And again, in our business, and that's why I thought this this was such a relevant topic for today, because it's all about relationships in our business. I mean, it's all about relationships. And without that, and people who don't really consider that, I think they're missing the boat. I really do. It's significant. Because that's how we get referrals, and that's how we get people who like us and want us to, you know, work with their friends or work with their family well, members. It, always, or whatever it all has it to start with trust. Yes. And if they don't 100%. have a relationship with you, they're not trusting you, and they're not going to be trusting this major decision in you. 
That's a good point, and I wanted to ask you about that too. So when you're out there talking to people, Chris, I mean, do you, do you does trust come up at all? I mean, do people talk to you about that, or do they even understand what Anna just said, that it's got to start with trust before you could really do anything else significantly or successfully? I trust think, is big, I think. Yeah, I think. I think the big buzzwords that, you know, Anna is kind of putting on is, is trust, you want loyalty, you want honesty, you want an emotional connection, right? People buy from people, not from companies. It's you against mm-hmm. every other realtor out there. Absolutely. How are you going to win their trust? Perfect. Not by, not by creating business value to them, but by creating personal value. Because when you can bring personal value into a B2B sale or into a, a real estate transaction, you're actually two times more likely to get that deal. Especially when it comes to residences as oh, opposed yeah. to commercial. Because yeah. it's, 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 every, it's, it's, very, it's the most personal thing that you can do. So when, you can, when you're seen as someone who can provide a personal impact in their life, um, they're more likely to stay loyal and to trust <laughs> you. So when you talk about like personal motivating factors, how can you empower a client to feel a sense of thrill, to feel a sense of belonging, to feel a sense of purpose? That goes beyond the real estate transaction. That goes into literally just people-to-people relationships. And if you can successfully do that, you'll win against the competition every time because loyalty is cheaper than acquisition. Demystifying influence by building community. Hmm. Tell us about that. I think Tracy said it earlier is that, and Anna, we're talking about kind of the loneliness that we live in in this digital disconnected world. Mm-hmm. Right, 50, 51% of the American workforce reports being lonely on a consistent basis. The surgeon, 51%. 51%. Wow. And the Surgeon General of the United States equ- equivocates that to the reduction of lifespan of smoking 15 cigarettes per day. That's seven years off your life. So that's the problem, right? So that, that's, the pr- that's people today. And therein lies the market opportunity. If you can solve one of our world's greatest challenges, which is loneliness and isolation, then you can win over anybody, right? Loneliness is greater than stress and eating and all these kind of different diseases. Loneliness is the greatest epidemic facing our country today, I believe. And so when you talk about building community, that's what people want right? We live in isolated silos now more than ever, whether they're political or, or social or economic silos. That's, 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 it's perpetuated through social media, right? Because you can actually see how different you are than others through social media Very now sad. more than ever. Mm-hmm. And that makes for very lonely people. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are always... And none of that is real life. None of that is no, real none life. None of it is but, staged. And so when you can give someone the gift of belonging and purpose, an invitation to the cool kids table, right? They feel like they're belonging to someone. There's a difference between going and taking a client out just one-on-one there's a difference between that and inviting them to a community that you lead. That's called authority leadership, right? When you talk about th- different types of authority leadership in the real estate market, you talk about putting out content, right? You talk about putting out videos and authority, hosting a radio program. It's so that you're seen as a recognized expert in something. There's other types of authority leadership. If a client watches you, or a client walks into a room and watches you become the leader of a community of very successful, famous people, they'll be, they'll have greater trust to you because you're a recognized expert in their eyes. Um, and so community is a tool for that. 
not only does it bring personal value, but also business value. If you can invite a client into a community where they can meet other people that they could do business with, let's say your client is a tech company, you invite them into a room full of tech entrepreneurs, they're going to get business value and personal value of belonging. And that will make them engendered to use you. Talk to me about empathy. It seems to be a big thing in your world, in your in your talks, in your you know uh, profile. Mm. Empathy, um, how it yeah. relates. Yeah. So to so, all of us, so gratitude. I'll start, mm-hmm. So I'll start with the basic definition, which is empathy is the art of imaginatively stepping into the shoes of another person, understanding their feelings and perspectives, and using that knowledge to guide your action, right? Empathy is not sympathy. Empathy right. is not compassion. I think people get that confused right? sometimes. It, em- empathy doesn't come from within. It comes from looking around. Mm-hmm. And empathy is the, the power to heal broken relationships. Empathy is a subset of emotional intelligence, right? Emotional intelligence is the new buzzword in business. Well, the facts are people with high emotional intelligence earn $29,000 more per year on average than people with low emotional intelligence. Eight out of 10 top performers have high emotional intelligence. Well, that's good to know. I've always been highly emotional yeah. <laughs> in business. So I've when been you're, okay. When you're, there you go. When you're in a direct sales role, the actual statistics prove you're better at doing your job and selling homes if you're more emotionally intelligent. It's just science. It's been proven. And so why empathy is so important and why it's such a big buzzword yeah. is that we live in a world where everybody has a speaker stand, right? Everybody's got a social media platform Absolutely. that they can just share their voice. But how often do you take the times to listen to the people that you're serving, right? On social media, you throw out a post and then there's a million comments in the feed. You don't actually listen to the comments, um, and so empathy comes from listening to others, which comes into the importance of being a chief question asker, creating the safe space to listen to others and their needs, right? When an entrepreneur is thinking about going out and building a product, they don't just blindly go build a product. They listen to the needs of a community and they build that product to solve a problem. It's the same thing in real estate. You have to listen to the needs of those you're serving. Our developers in our business, yeah, yeah, they need to listen to the needs of the community. Don't show a $10 million home to someone who's telling you, I can only afford a $1 million home. Mm -hmm. It'll never work. Mm -hmm. Yet people still do it. It's the weird part. And so empathy, yeah, not the good brokers. Like in this room are great freaking (laughs) brokers. But why gratitude is important is that empathy is essentially the end result. I have greater empathy for you. I have greater empathy for this world. That's an end result. Gratitude is a tool to get you there. So showing gratitude to others helps us develop empathy for each other. It creates connection. You have to be vulnerable enough to empathize with others. Showing gratitude to others is a way of, like, you became vulnerable when I asked you that question. Vince, we watched you get vulnerable when we asked you that question. So gratitude leads to vulnerability. Vulnerability leads to empathy. Empathy is the thing everybody's looking for right now. So important, so much more to go, but uh, now a word from our sponsors. When it is time to make a hire for your small business, naturally you want to find the best person for the job. Odds are that that person you will find on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make for the most uh, mo- most sense for your role. LinkedIn Job users 
Uh, Use his knowledge of both hard skills and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. People come to LinkedIn every day to learn and advance their career so LinkedIn understands what they're interested in and looking for, which means when you use LinkedIn jobs to hire someone, your matches are based on so much more than a resume. Your LinkedIn job matches are based on skills and background, sure, but also interest activities and passions. Matching lets you quickly get a group of the most relevant qualified candidates for your role. That way you can focus on the candidates you want to spend time talking to and to make a quality hire you're excited about. Customers rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires. So post a job today at linkedin.com slash Vince and get a $50 uh, certificate off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash Vince. Terms and conditions apply. And we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Chris Schember, who is our chief question asker today, Anna Shagalov, Tracy Hammersley, Phil Horrigan, Jordan Shea, Sean McPeak, Matthew Cohen, and Niall Lundgren. Um, all right, continuing our, we know we had some real estate topics to go through today. Of course, I forgot to prep the panel today, so it doesn't really matter because we're not going to get to them anyway. I think this is much more important because, again, as I said earlier at the top of the show, I mean, this really does um, affect our business. This is really what we're in. A, you know, it's amazing to me how, you know, you talk to some agents sometimes, whether they're, they're new agents or experienced agents, and they don't really even understand what you mean when you try and tell them about relationships. Because I don't think, I mean, I think a lot of people think that it's just a transactional business. You find a live breathing person, you take them on on a couple of shows, they buy an apartment or they rent an apartment, call it a day. If you're lucky enough, you'll get a listing or two, you might sell it, you might not sell it, and you call it a day. I don't think people really understand until they're in it for a while that you've got to put, as I read at the beginning of the show, you've got to put a lot more into it than just a transaction. And relationships to me, I was a, a salesman at IBM for 13 years before I made the change. 
uh, into a new career. And one of the things they told us way back in the 80s is this is a relationship business. You said it earlier, Chris. People buy from people they like. They don't buy from you just because you work for this company or because you work from that company. We are all from different companies here in real estate, but we all do the same thing. Clients choose us. They don't choose the companies we work for. And that's why we're independent contractors. So, you know, when you're talking to people out there in, in the corporate world, I mean, as I've, I've recognized in real estate, people don't understand the, the, the term relationship. Do you find that when you're talking to the corporate people out there who bring you in to talk to a mass audience that they really also don't understand what this means or what it means for them to advance their business? Yeah, I mean, take... For instance, a lot of our clients are the world's largest tech companies. Yeah. So the majority of their staff is filled with engineers or programmers Mm -hmm. who have actually never had to sell themselves. They've never actually had to connect to others in a sales basis, Um, which the funny thing is- Well, they don't, right. But they still do need to do that to advance their own career. They just aren't responsible for external sales. And so to go in and, and teach- you know, it's it's an interesting um, there's an interesting concept that I a lot of us in this space believe that introverts are actually better connectors than extroverts because extroverts are always just wondering like what's the next thing I can say, what's the next thing I can make a splash doing, but introverts are there to listen and to empathize and to ask the right questions, and that's what leads to true and lasting connection, relational connection. And so it's interesting that we go into these big tech firms uh, and we're d- performing our work with a lot of introverted engineers. But they actually have the greatest c- capacity to empathize and to become relationship-oriented, we believe. Um, so it's an interesting thing. you know, Whether you're selling something or just advancing your own career, you need people around you to believe in you, to believe in, in what you believe in. And and want to support that. That's a very big uh, thing. Uh, I think it's not only just about us. It's the people that we surround ourselves yeah. with in our personal life have to believe in you just like you need to believe in them in their careers because I think that's the impetus for us to kind of get our act together yeah. and get out there and understand what it means to form these other bonds outside of your household or outside of your personal life. Yeah, I mean, we we have – we invented something – where we say the multiplying effect of investing in your connectors leads to an increase in sales and productivity at your job, which means if you connect to people, don't just think of everybody that you're connecting to as an end consumer. You have to identify some people in your life as connectors. Those are your evangelists, your brand champions, the people that are going to refer you business year in and year out. When you invest in them, they send you more people. Uh, For instance, uh, I come from a real estate background. Our family's done over a billion dollars in residential transactions. Mm-hmm. We've you know, been around the block. And what I learned from our family is that my parents found what they were passionate about outside of real estate, and then they found something that they could be philanthropically aligned with. And the people they met through philanthropy and their passion project, when they invested in those relationships, those people or their friends would come down to Hilton Head and buy a home. Mm -hmm. So the multiplier effect of investing in your connectors through passion and philanthropy leads to an increase in sales and productivity at your job. And, you know, people just want to just go and sell to an end consumer and they forget about the relationship of referrals. 
and connectors. Right? For, That's my point. Yeah. I mean, for instance, talking about in a, in a real estate transaction, you know, my, my dad's been in real estate for 40 years. He's had clients that have bought 15 properties from him. He's had clients that have just bought one property from him. But what he'll do, for instance, he had, you know, he had a small, he had a, he had a small, I think a $3 million house or something the other day where the owner, he had sold the owner of the house and the owner is one of the most famous men around. And he knew that it would be better in order to help that owner, he was going to decrease his commission in order to make him feel like he didn't get a total loss out of this house that my dad sold to him. And so he decreased his commission between the owner, he was representing the owner and the buyer. Um, Tough to do, but yes. He decreased the commission because he knew that that buyer was Mm -hmm. gonna rip down the house, Mm -hmm. build a big spec house, and sell an $8 million home and he get that and listing. And he get the listing. Right? Exactly. And Absolutely. so you have to look at the relationship over the long term, the big picture of maybe I have to sacrifice now in order to win in the long run. Um, before I ask the, the panel some questions here, tell us about, tell us what you've learned or what you learned from Bill and Melinda Gates when you um, dealt with that whole thing. Um, we all know who Bill and Melinda Gates are. What, what whole thing? So, yeah, um, long story short, I had the opportunity to sit down with Bill and Melinda Gates one day on Saturday, October 6th of 2018. Not that I remember the date. And I got to, and I got to ask them this question. And, um, yeah, I mean, like anybody else that would answer this question, uh, they talked a lot about family. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bill ended up kind of turning into this six-year-old boy right in front of our eyes and ended up talking about the wisdom and the things he had always learned from like an older brother figure in his life, right? Here you are, the, you know, the world's richest man for so many years, um, kind of emotionally looking up to someone that's provided such tremendous wisdom and guidance. How is that even possible when you are the world's richest man? That's what I He was talking I about get. Warren Buffett. And it was like a big brother, little brother relationship. Well, that's the secret to his success. <laughs> but but I, I, I think I think not it's a such bad, a, not a bad role model. I think I, th- I think it's such a key I think it's such a key thing to talk about in life is that we have the opportunity to look up and to look down to find inspiration and wisdom. Right? We don't just find wisdom from our mentors and the people that have done things before us. We find wisdom from the people that are along the journey with us, maybe behind us, that are coming you know, up and comers, and they provide as much inspiration and wisdom as anybody around us. Matt, let me put you on the spot. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're a bright individual. You're a very successful young agent in our business who's been at it. For a while. No. <laughs> so, what? How, what do you? What do you take from this when you hear um, Chris speak about relationships and about empathy and about gratitude? Do you see yourself applying this in your day to day? Have you done it? Will you do it? What do you think? I think what I connect most about what you're saying is that my favorite thing is actually working with people I've never worked with before. So as much as, of course, I have clients who I've worked with, you know, a million times and I love them. They're great. It's about meeting people for the first time and and going on pitches, for example, and talking to sellers who don't know you. And how are you going to get to a place where they do know you and they, you know, trust you to sell their apartment and whatnot? Um, 
I really like to let my guard down. And so instead of talking real estate with people, I really like to talk about my life and their life and how that relates and how it connects all of us. And so to the point of empathy and vulnerability, I really like to get you know vulnerable with people because then they can see my side and they can see me breaking down walls and trying to let them in. Be I just find that it makes it a lot easier for them to let me in. And then we can get to a whole other place that is so much more than just selling real estate. Hmm. How how do you how do you do that when you meet a new person? I mean, it definitely it doesn't happen in the first you know five minutes. Um, I think I really like so I love that you ask a lot of questions. Like I really like connecting with someone, no matter how big or small the factor is. So. Could it be, you know, we went to the same restaurant growing up or, you know, they're a big golfer or we grew up in the same area or or anything it is, Um, even like going to the same store. I think just if you can connect with someone and something, it can go so far deeper than that. And that's that's how I like to start. Now, you're also very successful and um, I know you very well and, and you're one of my favorite people. You've known Chris longer. What have you what have you learned from this man? Oh, man, that is. A, that is, a, that is <laughs> I know we need another hour question. for that, right? Uh, you know, I think on a personal level, Chris is, Chris is a very good friend of mine. I, I mean, what Chris always demonstrates in into the public and what I've learned from him is to be yourself, you know, to be completely authentic to who you are. Um, and be vulnerable about that and uh, not have certain feelings or, or wants or desires and like repress them but you know talk about them and be vulnerable and share them with people because what that does is it enables other people especially if you're doing it in a, um, a group setting to become vulnerable as well and when one person becomes vulnerable and then two people become vulnerable there's an authenticity of that uh, meeting where everyone is and uh, it's, it's very, very healing for people to, to hear, um, you know, deep, deep things like what Vince, for example, talked about how he got vulnerable. You know, the, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know you were a junior. And just, you know, hearing that story about your father um, was touching to me. And I think that's the beautiful thing that, that Chris has, has done and showed me. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's an inspiration to us all. And I, I really value his friendship. Phil, were you touched by anything today? A hundred percent. I feel like we're brothers in like another world or something like that, or maybe this world. But um, the people that know me really well know that I'm all about the connection and the deep connection, you know, and asking questions is huge. We didn't talk as, I mean, we were talking a little bit about it, uh, not you necessarily, Chris, but you know, in general, we're talking about how this could help you make money, obviously. But I'll just say that it's just personally so satisfying when you're deeply connected to someone else. Like that is what we're ultimately all seeking. And, you know, they always say on your deathbed, you know, they've, they've, there's been these studies of people that have interviewed people on their deathbed. And they never say, of course, I wish I would have made another dollar or spent that t- extra time in the office. It's always about, I wish I would have connected more to my kids, to my loved ones, uh, would have, would have so thanked true. someone so true. and said, you know, I really thank you. So, and that's something that I think, you know, as I heard you guys speaking, I have done that a lot with my family because my dad and my mom were so open in the household about always thanking and they're just so open with each other. They always said what was on their mind and that is what I'm the most thankful for because I saw them interact with each other in the most genuine, honest way. They've had the, I mean, it's actually made it difficult for me to eventually meet somebody because they were just 
their connection was so real and so deep, they would never go to bed angry at night. Sure, they'd get angry. They'd get upset with each other, but they'd always work it out. They'd, and they just spoke what was on their mind, their true feelings. So it's like really understanding what is deep inside you and letting that out and, and connecting to another person on a deep level. So satisfying to me. So thank you. I'm so glad we finally got to meet because Nas has been talking about you for a very long time and in a, such a positive way. So it's nice to, to finally meet you. Yeah. You. you know, we had, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, I also think that for everything we're talking about, that's the reason why so many people who are in real estate, um, that use it as almost therapy for better or worse that have gone through a very horrible situation um, are so successful, you know, because they put it all into it and, you know, they use it as something that is therapeutic and they use it as they take passion to a whole other level and put all of their emotions and feelings into it. And so you, you know, Joanne Tambaracas, she was, she was on the show. I think the last time you were here, she was on recently and she's got a new workbook out calling, calling, uh, called getting your personal brand story straight okay the hardest part of personal branding your own personal branding is to get your own story straight so on the heels of that i think what you brought to the table for us today is ask the right questions not only of the people that you're out there dealing with every day but ask the right questions of yourself because until you can find yourself in business we're talking about business and probably in personal life as well you really won't be as effective as you could be. So find out who you are, brand yourself, and then take that to the road and apply that to your relationships out there because I would only imagine it turns into monster success. Yeah, I mean, Kurt Vonnegut, a great science author in the 1960s and 70s, um, actually proved the science behind everything that we were just talking about with personal brand and telling your story. He found that there's essentially six or seven emotional arcs that a protagonist or a hero can take in narrative storytelling in, in movies or TV or theater or whatever it is. And he found that one of the most effective ways of building up a protagonist to be a hero by the end of a narrative is if you knock them down in the beginning. And that vulnerability in the beginning, look at Superman. The first, the first scene of Superman is you learning that he's got this debilitating <coughs> kryptonite in, in, in the enemy's back pocket, right? And so if you bring that element of you know, knocking yourself down, narratively speaking, when you're dealing with people, then you can be... It's, it's, too many people in this world try to be a hero. There's not enough people that are guides. And when you can empower the people that you serve to be the hero and you're just the guide, you're the vessel then you've put it on them, and that's what engenders trust and loyalty. And that's what guaranteed will create greater upsell, cross-sell revenue and referrals. Just that. We can put it on them, not you. That's big. Huge. That's really big. Huge. And unfortunately, as always, that's our broadcast for this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Apologize for the lack of live broadcast. Ellen DeGeneres says, sometimes you can't see yourself clearly until you see yourself through the eyes of others, and Charles Darwin says, it is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. Be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.